Elliot Goldstein is hosting a radio and podcast show out of New Mexico called NMDJ Presents Fly on the Wall. We are building a fresh, fabulous podcast library of musicians, writers, artists, and all good people of note, with many new and exciting guests to come. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. We appreciate your help. We would like to thank Alan Gower for the intro music. Enjoyed the show. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall podcast. I'd like to tell you how I got started. Um, I really had no idea on um, the beginnings of what had even where to start. And I stumbled upon Anchor by Spotify. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And I'll explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And um, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast automatically on listening platforms. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on other uh, platforms. And it, Anchor made it so simple. And um, it's all in one place. Everything you need to make a podcast, you can find in one place. And um, the amazing part is it's all free. So um, there is no uh, downside to any of this. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. And again, it's the Anchor app or go anchor.fm. And it's real easy to get started. And um, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall and uh, back to the show. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Welcome to Not Your Mother's Radio, a different kind of radio. And now, here's Elliot, who's definitely not your mom. Enjoy the show. Grammy-winning guitarist Lawrence Juber is a solo performer, recording artist, composer and ranger. His playing fuses folk, jazz, blues, pop and classical styles, creating a multifaceted performance that belies the use of only one instrument. A music graduate of London's Goldsmiths College, 
He was featured guitar soloist with the National Youth Jazz Orchestra before becoming established as a studio musician. First internationally recognized as lead guitarist in Beatle Paul McCartney's Wings, with whom he won a Grammy, Juba has since established himself as world-renowned guitar virtuoso and entertainer. Known to his fans as LJ, he has recorded more than two dozen albums spotlighting his unique touch and tone on acoustic guitar. His upcoming release is the Fab Fourth, Juba's fourth album in a continuing series of arrangements for solo guitar of Beatles songs. His LJ Plays the Beatles was voted one of Acoustic Guitar Magazine's all-time top 10 albums. His solo arrangement of the Pink Panther theme earned him a second Grammy. As a studio musician, he can be heard on recordings from artists as diverse as Dan Hicks and the Hot Licks, Seal and the French chanteurs Sylvie Vartin, plus he is featured on the soundtracks to hundreds of TV shows such as Home Improvement and movies including the Academy Award-winning Dirty Dancing, Goodwill Hunting, and Pocahontas. Jubica composed the soundtrack of the award-winning video game Diablo 3 and scored the NBC Dateline documentary Children of the Harvest. His music is also featured in the Ken Burns documentary The Tenth Inning. Without further ado here is Elliot. Get ready for an entertaining evening with EG and LJ. Good evening everybody, I hope you're having a great Sunday, I hope you had a good weekend and all that other fun stuff. I hope you're staying safe out there and um, you're staying sane. That's the important thing. So um, we do have uh, Lawrence Juber coming on with us tonight, LJ, and um, one of the most gifted guitar players that um, that exist. The man's incredible. Um, he could do things with an acoustic guitar that um, other people can't do with an orchestra. Um, if you aren't familiar with his work, you will be after tonight. And what I'd like to do is get something um, queued up while I get LJ on the phone. And um, he has such a huge, huge catalog of music, um, such, such incredible, incredible, uh, such an incredible library. I'm going to go back into this one. This one is a Who song. It's Won't Get Fooled Again. And it's uh, Lawrence Struber. And um, I'm going to get into his um, uh, history, his background in just a few moments, okay? Here we go. Enjoy. And um, I'll be back with LJ.
Okay, my friends, here he is, Mr. Lawrence Juba. LJ, um, we'd like to say hello to the crowds tonight. Hello, crowds. There you go. Um, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I just wanted everybody to know out there, I know a lot of people, um, I mean, you're, you're um, an incredible, incredible, talented guy. You do albums and everything else. You do a lot of music. Um, but I know people who have actually met you at... Um, as shows that you that, that you've done in the past and everybody who you talk to always comes out and says that you're such a nice guy that you know you'll stop you'll talk to them you'll autograph stuff you you know you tell them what kind of gear you use and um uh, i know people from i'm from new jersey and in new york originally i'm a new yorker and i'm in um, new mexico now but i have a friend in um jersey a great guitar player and um, i told him you were doing this show and he told me that he met you and um the same thing. You, you know, you, he said your wife is, is, is great. Your wife and his girlfriend started chatting, and, and you and him had like an hour conversation. And um, you don't get that anymore. You don't, you don't see that. And, um, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a gift. And, and well, I, I, appreciate the, I appreciate the thought. I mean, you know, for me, it's, it's really just about kind of engaging with the audience and with the, the fans and with fellow guitar players and you know all the all the stuff that goes along with it i mean it's i think it's part of the gig yeah always you know has felt that way to me and i think part of it is that i came up i didn't kind of have ambitions to be a, a rock star uh-huh. my ambition was to be a professional guitar player and, and specifically a studio guitar player Um, I was I was a somewhat shy self-conscious teenager but I loved playing guitar and I you know any opportunity I had to play and I studied music and I just you know for me it was like I I saw this career path and so everything was kind of geared toward that and studio work was a real focus I think because I had the musicianship not not just being a guitar player but also, as I discovered in, in the course of time, being able to compose and arrange and, and just understand the substance of music. Okay. And, um, I mean, you've done that. You, just, the, um, uh, just the books that you've put out, I mean, you understand music probably, you know, a, a lot better than a lot of these, uh, you know, the, the, these pros out there. You've actually transcribed and, and you put out, um, uh, you know, the Beatles series that you put out, the Beatles folios and everything else. So you're really, really, really deep into um, um, into music, you know, history, into well, music. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it just, it's all part of the landscape. And, and historically, professional guitar players always arranged, composed, put out sheet music. I mean, long before there was ever a record business. guitar players and even before that going back to the renaissance lute players uh, were putting out folios of music for people to play Um, you know it was how music was disseminated but it was also how these musicians earned part of their living you know was to be published you know especially in the 19th century i mean the players would have a like a trunk full of sheet music and they'd go you know that would be their show merchandise much just like we have cds now right 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 it's about the only place you do sell cds is is at shows 
Right, and um, what, what, how did you get interested in the actual, um, uh, you know, annotations? How did you, you get, you know, interested in that end of, of actually putting it down on paper? Well, it was really, it was almost day one. Um, I had, there was a book in England called Play in a Day, which was written by a, a man named Bert Whedon, who was a very famous studio guitar player in England. And many, many guitar players in England use this book as their kind of like their launching pad. And in the back of the book, one of the last exercises was the melody of when the saints go marching in, in the key of C. Okay. On one rainy afternoon when I was 11 years old, I, I saw you know a note on the page and I understood that that's where my finger went on the guitar and it all made perfect sense to me. And I just kind of learned to read very early on right um, you know it took me a while to get understand rhythms and you know all the, the nuances of, of reading music but but the the basics came pretty quickly no I uh, and then you know I studied I studied music too I mean I right. was at London University and yeah, yeah. degree in music um, I'm a keyboard player so, I'm a piano player uh -huh, well there and, you go yeah and yeah. I and you know I, I dabble in guitar and whatever um, when you play your, um, when you're doing your solo work, I hear a lot of piano in that. It's not that it, you know what I mean. It's kind of like you're playing um, the way a piano player would play, you know, on, on strings. Is that part of it? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's part of that's part of what I do in my solo work right. because I'm making a complete musical statement. So whereas the piano player has the left hand yeah, yeah. doing the bass note, you know, I'm assigning those bass notes to the lower strings. And and because I also use altered tunings in what I do, I use, for example, dadgad tuning, D-A-D-G-A-D, -A -D -A -D, yeah, yeah, yeah. and C-G-D-G-A-D, -C which is a related tune. Both of those you know, give me lower bass notes, uh -huh. and they also... Um, because the second and third strings are a G and an A, and there's just a whole step between those. It allows me to create voicings that a piano player would be more more readily able to do than a guitarist, yes. because of the, the way the guitar is configured around kind of major and minor triads, major and minor chords, whereas a tuning like Dagad has a suspended quality to it, which means that I can add 11ths or 13ths or you know kind of the make them adult chords as right, it were, right. um, without having to do large stretches um, and with being able to maintain a sustaining texture which is really important to me is that with a solo guitar that the the ambience of the guitar itself is part of the texture of the music so um so so um um the old blues guys with open tuning had something there. I mean, when you hear them play, they always had a little bass thing going, a little rhythm, and a little lead going. Um, nothing to your oh, extent. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the blues guys were, you know, not the the kind of the sharecropper imagery, uh -huh. uh, marketing end of things. Notwithstanding, were sophisticated guitar players. They weren't. They generally weren't particularly primitive in their playing, and even the more primitive players, somebody like Joseph Spence out of the Bahamas, uh -huh. who was a big influence on my Cuda, for example. Um, 
his, there's a lot of sophisticated harmony. There's a lot of church harmony in there, you know, because he played almost exclusively gospel music. And church harmony, you know, that, that kind of gospel harmony really has its roots in just, you know, classical piano. And so there's a lot of counterpoint and there's a lot of um, moving bass lines using right. chord inversions you know, to create variety in the texture. Okay. And um, yeah, because I mean, you've taken it to a whole new level, but um, you know, the, the Robert Johnsons, you know, um, all the old slide players and stuff always had a little bass going, a little oh, yeah. rhythm going, a little lead going. And um, I mean, you, you know, yeah. yeah so, um, well, um, but you know where the slide, where the slide playing came from, was from the Hawaiian guitar players. Yeah, they did. Yeah, well, because the Hawaiians were touring in the South um, in the last couple of decades of the um, of the nineteenth century into the twentieth century, and by the the teens were extremely influential. Uh huh. And. There was a lot of you know stuff that was coming from the mainland and going to Hawaii, but then coming back from Hawaii kind of transformed into something um, something that was quite unique. Okay. And um, a lot of their a lot of their traditional music were actually protest songs because they were pro protesting imperialism. Right. Um, you know they they wanted to be left alone, and of course they weren't. So, right. Um, um, are but that's a, that's a whole other discussion. Are you familiar? You're familiar with Lowell George, I'm sure, right? From Little. Of Fruit. course. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I met, I I met Lowell George. On a Monday, and he died on the Wednesday. Wow. I went to see him in concert at the bo at the bottom line in New York. Went backstage and had a lovely chat with him. Yeah. Well. And then, yeah. I was I, I was running a club on Long Island. I know. I believe you played there too. My father's place. In Roslyn, it was. I don't know if I played my father's place. I played out in Amagansett, uh, uh -huh. the, the talk house. Yeah, um, there, did, and did I played like the the performing arts center at Huntington Station. And that was later and on. And yeah, the, I, I, yeah, I'm talking about the the, the the old Lowell George days. You know, when he when he, um, you know, Little Feet played the club and stuff. But he did he tell you how he got involved in slide work? No. Well, no, yeah, he we, told we, we didn't have a, a yeah, long enough discussion. Yeah, uh, well, you know what happened? He used to have this hobby. He'd build these model airplanes with motors on them, and um, he, then, he uh -huh. blow, then he'd blow them up. And uh, one of them went off in his hand, uh -huh. and he lost the nerves in his oh. hand. And he couldn't, you know, he couldn't really get the feel he wanted. Um, oh, is that why, is that why he, does, he never had his thumb behind the neck? Yeah, all. yeah, and that's how um, we got into slide In front work. of the neck, ah. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he yeah, said, you know, I'm not sense. giving, yeah, I'm not giving up my guitar. So, if, you know, mo you know, necessity is the mother of invention. But, there um, you go. yeah, let's talk about your, um, you, you know, about your career. You started your studio work in London. And um, mm -hmm. I'm going to let you take it from there. I know you'll, you'll be able to tell the story a heck of a lot better than me. Well, while I was in college, I was playing with the National Youth Jazz Orchestra, which was kind of like a farm team for the studios. And um, right around the time of my final exams, um, I, I got called to, to do some studio work. Um, and uh, it, what had happened was the night before, I'd been on television with the National Youth Jazz Orchestra and I got a call from uh, a contractor, um, a man named David Katz, who was a violin player. Uh, in England, we called them fixers. 
and and he um it was funny because the house i was living in in london was like four stories and i was in the the, the bottom i was in the basement and we had we had to wait like a year and a half to get a phone installed and the the phone infrastructure in London in the early 70s, in the east end of London where I was living, was still pretty primitive, um, even that long after the war. Um, and so we had to wait like a year and a half to get this phone, and it was up at the very top of the house, and there were no answering machines in that period. So um, I was downstairs, and I heard the phone ring, and I ran like a maniac to get up to it before you know, before the the person hung up and it turned out to be this this fixer david katz and, his, and he called me darling but i discovered very quickly he called everybody darling <laughs> um and um and he said darling you know I, i've got sessions for you um saw you last night and i want to you know i want to give you some work and he he gave me two days of session work which coincided with my final exams um, and I said, David, I, I really appreciate the work, but I just can't do it. This is my final. And he said, okay, well, I'll call you back. And he called like a week later and gave me some other dates. And, you know, at that point, I was, that kind of launched me into a studio career. Um, and this would have been like spring of 75. Right. And I very quickly made, got in with more fixes and got in with some producers and, started doing studio work which evolved to kind of doing sometimes four sessions a day you know seven days a week yeah know. and the maybe on, on the weekends maybe, maybe a couple of days on the weekends and it, and the eight o'clock in the morning at gym. go ahead yeah i was i spoke i was speaking to um i guess it was zoot money in the uk last uh -huh. week um do you know george do you, you know who he is right yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. He was telling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was telling me the session work guys um, would have this thing going where they got, um, I think, something like thirty dollars a session, whatever it was. And um, if you did, if you if you had a three-hour session, you got paid for the fourth hour. And if you played like two or three minutes over, you got paid for the whole other hour after that. He said, but the session guys were the were the brains behind the operation. They're the guys who, who, who actually brought life to the studio and brought the best ideas there, and they pretty much got the, um, you know, um, you know they, they weren't really taken care of back then. You know, I guess there's a whole different world out there now. But um, Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, basically, I mean, there, there was like a union scale. Right. I think when I started, I think it, it might have been $18 or $22.50 for uh -huh. a three-hour session. No, not dollars, pounds. pounds right. I, I think it ended up at about 20, 28 pounds. And, and, you know, if you were, if it was just you, you could get double scale. Right. Um, it was not, but in England, it wasn't as rigid a structure as it, I discovered it was when I got later to L.A. Uh -huh. um, but that's, we'll get to that a bit later. But, okay. Because uh, the American Union was a lot stronger, was a lot stronger than the English Union. Right, was, right. Especially in those days. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, there were, you know, there were groups, of, there was a group of musicians, some of whom, you know, had been or were in rock bands. I mean, for example, one of the keyboard players I worked with quite frequently was Francis Monkman, oh, wow. who was in a Francis. band called Curved Air. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, uh... you know, Francis, uh, and we would do, you know, we'd be on sessions together. In fact, there was, I remember one Tuesday night at Abbey Road, um, 
when it was Francis on harpsichord and I was on acoustic guitar and there were some mandolins and a string orchestra and we were doing this instrumental stuff. And I had no idea what it was for. And, and it, you know, if you were in the pit, if you were in the room, you didn't go upstairs to the control room. It wasn't kind of, that's not what you did, especially at Abbey Road, right. unless you were invited into the control room. And sometimes, you know, they wanted you there because you had to tweak a sound or whatever. But, but with these big orchestral sessions, typically you didn't go hang in the control room. It, right. it just wasn't done. And so I didn't know what it was for until like, Years later, like 25 years later, I was reading a musician magazine and they were interviewing Alan Parsons. And he mentioned my name. And it was like, I played on that. And it was Tales <laughs> of Mystery and Imagination. Oh, wow. um, and uh, on, when the album came, when the LP came out, my name wasn't on the credits. They added it later uh -huh. uh, when the CD uh, re release came out. So, oh, really? you know, there were those kinds of things where it might be a three-hour session, you know, with an orchestra, but it, then it might be just with a rhythm section, and it could be eight o'clock in the morning uh, um, at Trident Studios doing a, a jingle, and then a 10 o'clock at, at Olympic, perhaps uh -huh. with Andrew Lloyd Webber in an orchestra, and then run over to Air Studios for the afternoon for something else, and then in the evening, maybe a session at the BBC with Johnny Mathis or, or yeah, the yeah. Three Degrees or something like I mean, I was, you know, I was like a kid. I mean, I was, what, 23, uh -huh. 24 when I was doing this. And it was, you know, it was like a big adventure because I'd just show up and there'd be, you know, some famous artist. I mean, I remember doing an album with Rosemary Clooney <laughs> in about wow. 1975 wow. or something like that. It was really a, a blast. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, really such very talented people. I mean, my first real album session was um was a cleo lane record uh that, that george martin was producing okay. so um it was um you know I, I was thrown in the deep end as far as working with producers but, you but know, this was, wasn't your kind of wasn't your publisher's demo this was like the real deal yeah and then you um you, you, i mean how many different styles did you have to play in one day i mean you you like a you know uh, you're like a smorgasbord of, of styles you know, from uh, I'm kind of a chameleon, yeah. Like yeah, a stylistic chameleon. There are certain styles that I, I, I fall into very naturally, uh -huh. and you know, one of those for my solo stuff is this kind of what in England we would call the folk baroque, or folk baroque, okay. even though it really was more of a folk renaissance style. Yeah, and that was very influential because you know, I mean, it, it was a big influence on Paul Simon at one end of the spectrum. And then a big influence at the other end on on Jimmy Page and yes, know, would that be um, on that ilk. Would that be the um, would that be the Canterbury scene or was it was that different? No, Canterbury was was like um, I think was Genesis, it? Uh, like or, a, or Pink like Floyd a, or something. That yeah. was more of an art school. Thing. Yeah, like, like Kevin Ayers. No, uh, well, even Monkman, Monkman. Oh had well, that, yeah, that 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 yeah. that prog that prog thing. That, yeah. Like Hatfield in the North. Right, right, right. That was a different scene. That was it. No, I'm what I'm talking about is Pentangle. Oh, okay, Pentangle. Okay. Yeah, and yep. John Ramborn, and, yep. and prior to that, Daisy Graham. Uh huh. Um, and and so that's kind of the backbone of what I do um, as a soloist, but infused with ragtime and other stuff. Right. But but on the other end of the spectrum, it was really it was Clapton and Hendrix and, and Jeff Beck and and my kind of developing a voice as a rock lead guitar player, uh -huh. uh, but also being able to do all this other stuff too. 
Right. You know, so right. I had that kind of versatility. Um, you know, I think we should play something. And sure. this, I picked this one out um, as being fairly representative of that era. Um, there was um, when I worked on the score of The Spy Who Loved Me. And um, we did a, a number of recording sessions with Marvin Hamlish. And on one of them, uh, he had me play electric guitar on an instrumental version of Nobody Does It Better. Um, okay. Which I ha and I had no idea until just a couple of years ago that that actually was nominated for an Academy Award, that particular track. Didn't wow. win, but... You know, sometimes you, you, you learn stuff on yeah. Wikipedia or on Billboard magazine or whatever. Um, uh, anyway, so um, we, I think if you can, like, cue up an extract from that. I have it already. It's kind of a nice, a nice face-shifted guitar solo. Okay, and um, what we'll do is we could, listen, we could listen to it while it's playing. So, you know, it's, we're going to play about yeah, sure. 10, 20 seconds of it, right? And here we go. Yeah, Th you bet. This one's Nobody Does It Better. So it goes on. Yes, okay, I'm gonna, yeah. okay, here we go. Okay, we're back. Yeah, so, and on that same session, uh, and I had long forgotten this, that they said, can you do some licks on this track? And so they played an instrumental track to me, and, and I just you know, played some licks over the top. And I didn't realize at the time, but that was the, the, the extended um, ending on the Carly Simon record. Oh, okay. Um, you know, because uh -huh. they were doing, they recorded the strings on that in London and stuff. And, you know, it's just, sometimes you, you they say, oh, you know, they'll say, give us a little bit of this or a little bit of that. And you just, you don't know where it's going to end up. Right. You know, until years later, you find out. Yeah. Uh, but th so that was, that was 1977. And then um, in September of that year, I was playing lead guitar in a TV show with David Essex, who, you know, at the time was still a big pop star in England yeah. after, mm -hmm. you know, Rock On. Rock On. Was a big hit. Yeah. And um, each week on the show, there would be a different musical guest. And the first week was, um, I think Twiggy was uh -huh. early on in the series. And then Ronnie Spector was on it. I remember that. Um, and then Denny Lane. And Denny oh. did Go Now, and right. they'd given me a guitar solo to play on. And Denny liked my playing, and uh, apparently he called up Richard Niles, who was the musical director for the, the show, and he, a few days later he said, is he versatile? And Richard kind of filled him in. And then I ran into Denny with Paul and Linda at um, Air Studios a few months later, and, you know, just said, you know, if you ever need a guitar player, let me know, you know, but never imagining that I, they would actually, you know, Denny would actually call me. Wow. Um, 
and I knew that Wings, subsequent to that, I knew that Wings were looking for a guitar player, but it was not something I was pursuing because I was really busy in, with studio work. And then in March of 78, my dad passed away suddenly. Uh-huh. And uh, a month later, it was when I was working at Abbey Road in Studio 2, and very propitiously um, got a call. It was on a Friday, and, and it was... Paul's management saying, uh, Denny wants to know if you can come and jam on Monday, and oh, by the way, Paul and Linda will be there. Um, and I, at that point, didn't know any, really know very many Wings tunes, and uh-huh. so I borrowed, borrowed some LPs from my brother, and um, never really got very far, and as it turned out, I walked into the audition as it was, and Steve Holly was auditioning the drummer at the same time. Uh-huh. And we played some Chuck Berry tunes and some reggae grooves, and, and then we got off at the gig. You know, so wow. What are you doing for the next few years? Wow. And in that moment, wow. I had to think about it for a, I had to think about it for a nanosecond. Yeah, really. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I wasn't going to give up the, you know, give up the, the opportunity to work with Paul McCartney, but I was right. giving up the, the studio career that I'd worked so hard over the last decade to right. to get myself into. And um, how how was how did you like touring with uh, with Wings? I know that was um, it w- it wasn't a um, orthodox tour, right? They kind of made it like a home. Well, uh, it know. was particularly unorthodox when we got to Tokyo. Yeah, 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 yeah I remember that. Yeah, that was that, that was the bus, <laughs> yeah, right? There was, uh, that, there was the marijuana bus. That was when Paul got busted. Yeah. So you know that made. Um, only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. That make a, a big difference. Speaking um, of speaking, so we did spend a. L- no, you go. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, speaking. No, you of, go ahead. Okay, speaking of bus, I, I just want to bring this up before I forget, because I know we're going to get busy. You actually worked with a buddy of mine after um, he was in some trouble, and he, uh, you know, Buzzy Linhart. Oh, absolutely. Buzzy yeah. was great. Buzzy was a sweetheart. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. He told me that he had worked with you. Um, I know he, you know he passed a few months. Yeah, ago. we did. We did a few. Yeah, he did. Uh, we did a few gigs together, uh-huh. um, and when he was he was around LA, and then he recorded an, an EP right, right. Um, with a great band, and we had Denny Sywell on well, drums. Yeah, wasn't Sk- was Nicky Hopkins S- played yes. piano? Skunk Baxter was on that. I, I don't recall Skunk. Was at least there, not on the sessions did, that I was. Yeah, on. did you guys but, do a beat? You guys did a Beatle tune. Yeah, we did. Uh huh. Yeah, I forget. Which one? But but Chris Houston uh, was producing and engineering. Who, oh wow. um, Okay. Had worked with you know worked with Zeppelin and yeah yeah was, um, and I remember we you know, we worked at a studio in Hollywood that I think belonged to the band War. 
Okay. Um, but I just remember I just remember Buzzy being you know very cool, and yeah, I didn't really yeah. know his full history. I didn't know he played vibes with, with Hendrix. Yeah, yeah, he was the first person to use um, the Electric Lady Studio. Um, yeah. Him and him and Eddie Kramer did that um, music album. Kramer was an incredible uh, um, engineer, and um, then he. Took oh yeah, I know. I know Eddie. Yeah, um, yeah, fact, yeah. I worked with Eddie just uh, recently because I was a counselor at the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Oh, cool. And he recorded uh, he recorded a session with with the band that I was counseling. Yeah. But I actually knew Eddie. I mean, going back to when I was a teenager, um, my one of my friends, uh, uh, Paul Stone, um, was played guitar, and we would get together on weekends and kind of learn whatever the latest Stones or Beatles or Who record was. And and we had a great keyboard player who unfortunately never went on to have a real career, but this guy was amazing. And then the drummer, we had a drummer, um, Malcolm Green, who ended up years later, I think, moving to New Zealand and playing with Split Ends or one of those bands. Oh, okay. Um, but but um, but at one point we were getting quite good, and Paul said, "Oh, I should have my cousin come and, and listen to us because he's in the business." And so cousin Eddie came wow. over and gave us some tips. Wow. And then, like you know, years later, I said to Paul, "By the way, who was cousin Eddie?" He said, "Oh, you mean Eddie Kramer?" Eddie Kramer. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, Eddie. Yeah. Eddie's, Eddie was a master. Um, Eddie gave Eddie pretty much gave um, Hendrix that sound that he's noted for. You know, he. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, well, you know, but Eddie's just a really great engineer. Yeah, yeah. You know, he knows how to he knows how to get great guitar sounds. Yep. And, um, you know, that's the thing is that you know there are people in the studios who have certain kinds of skill sets that are. You know, whether it's an engineer or whether it's a producer or an arranger, orchestrator, you know, or, you know, a wrecking crew kind of sure. uh, yep. scenario. I mean, it's, you know, it, it just goes with the territory. But the thing is, I mean, being in Wings um, was uh, was really a great education for me. I, I'd like to refer to it as my master's degree from McCartney University. Wow. Um, and I think um, let's let's play... But the first single, first wing single that I was on, that was a hit, uh-huh. um, was was Good Night Tonight. Okay. And there was one particular stretch in that where uh-huh. they said, you know, we could really use a kind of a flamenco style guitar solo here. And I, I didn't have my acoustic at the studio that day. Because we were supposed to be actually supposed to be mixing. We were in the basement of Paul's offices in Soho Square, London, uh-huh. in a replica of the control room of Abbey Road Studio 2. And we were supposed to be mixing, and then Paul had come in earlier in the week with a song called Daytime, Nighttime Suffering, and we right, ended up right. cutting that track. It was the, the, what ended up as the B-side of Good Night Tonight. And, and so they said, you know, give us like some flamenco thing. And so I played. They, they ran the track and I played. So. You can uh, cue it up and we'll listen to a bit of that. Sure, let's give me one second here. And here we go. This is, we're going to be playing about a minute of this, so here we go. Yeah.
So, um, yeah, I played, I'm playing electric and acoustic guitar, and Paul's playing electric as well. Wow. Um, what, what, and yeah, he, so... Um, he's, he's quite the musician. He could pretty much pull anything off. Oh, yeah, he could play anything, yeah, yeah. I mean, including the trumpet. Yeah, that yeah. was his first instrument, was trumpet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, basically, I mean, you know, we did the Back to the Egg album, and that recording was kind of done in... It, right in the middle of the, the egg stuff. Um, and I think, do you have Spin It On handy? Hello? Did I yes, it? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I just lost something. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, do you have Spin It On handy? Yeah, I do. Let me uh, dig that one up. Spin It On, here we go. Yeah, and we'll just play like, uh, you know, play a, a minute or so of that. It's funny because the first session I did was Wings. Okay. Was for a song called "Same Time Next," same time next year, right. which Paul did as a demo for a movie of the same name, uh-huh. and I'd never played on a demo that was that incredibly well produced. I mean, it, you know, they put a sixty-piece string orchestra on it. Wow! This big kind of like my love type ballad. Uh-huh. Well, you know, Paul was really kind of going for you know he wanted the gig, he wanted to score the movie, or at least get the song in the movie. And as it turned out, Marvin Hamlish. Um, was got the score and ended up with the song, right. and so Paul didn't actually release that one until um, oh about eight years, eight nine years later when it was a bonus track on the Put It There single. Right. Um, but but going from that session and then going up to Scotland and we started recording these tunes that were really you know, I mean this one Spin It On is really like the punk rockabilly. Yeah. It's a big difference, but then you know that was where the versatility came in. So okay. I want you to uh, spin, spin it on. Here we go, spin it on. Now, just picture the fact that when I was doing those solos, 
I'm sitting in the control room with Paul McCartney right next to me. Yeah, wow. Like, I, you know, eyeball to eyeball, just, you know, and the, the experience of having him draw stuff out of me that I didn't know that I could do. Uh-huh. When I talk about it being an education. Um, and so, you know, it was just really great experience doing stuff like that. Uh, there's another Back to the Egg tune that I think is worth playing a bit of, which is the Rockestra theme. Oh, yeah. Because um, Paul said, you know, I got this idea, I want to do a rock orchestra. And uh, we're going to do it at Abbey Road. And then, you know, he, he calls up Pete Townsend and Dave Gilmore and Hank Marvin from The Shadows. And, and it's going to be Keith Moon on drums, but he, had, he died a few weeks wow. earlier. Wow. Um, and so Kenny Jones did it and um, John Bonham and John Paul Jones and um, just this cast of thousands, you know. So it was really a treat for me because I'm standing next to Hank Marvin. Yeah, well. Who was one of my first great influences. Uh, You know, many of us. I mean, we we idolized Hank. Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, um, so... Because, you you know, Hank was kind of like Buddy Holly meets Dwayne Eddy. Yeah, I remember English, Paul. Yeah. I, I remember you guys did this at Live Aid. One of the one. Well, not Live Aid. One of the um, benefits, right? You know, one of those big. Uh, um, uh, oh, Ca- you're talking about Campuchia? Yeah, Campuchia. That's what it was. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and at Campuchia, we recreated the orchestra with you know it was different people on stage. You know, uh-huh. Yeah, I know, but we we had yeah we'd just done the gig um, with uh, our openers were Elvis Costello and, and Rockpile. Yeah. So we had Dave Edmonds and Billy Bremner and, and Nick Lowe and, you know, the, some of those people were there too. But um, why don't you play uh, Rockestra? This is uh, yeah. Paul's take on a rock and roll orchestra. Yeah, here we go. Orchestra and uh, wings, um, and uh, um, wings uh, and a cast of thousands. Yeah, a cast of thousands. Wow. And uh, yeah. okay, so where, where are we going from here? Well, you know, I mean, uh, we, um, you know, so back to the egg comes out. We do videos for it. We, Steve Holly and I, go and do a big promotional tour and go to New York. In fact, that was when we met. Lowell George was was in New York during right. doing that promo tour, and then um, we toured, 
We went to Japan. Paul got busted. I was standing next to him. Uh-huh. Not a fun experience. No. And, um, and then so Wings kind of goes into a, a little bit of hibernation, but there's still stuff going on. Uh, and then um, Coming Up comes out, and Paul has this McCartney 2 album, which you know, was kind of him, was him by himself. Right. And then um, we had done the live version of it in Glasgow, and um, the, it, the studio version, Paul's version, was not getting much radio airplay until the DJ flipped it over and realized that there was a live version on the back of the single, and, and uh, it became a number one record. So play a bit, a bit of Coming Up. Okay, it's playing. Okay, we're back. Yeah, so um, by January of 1981, we were, you know, clearly Wings was done. By the way, I'm hearing an echo right now. No, you're not. It's gone, I think. Check it now. Okay, good, yeah. So, you know, Wings Wings was, was folding. And I was, I had spent, uh, much of the previous summer uh, in the States uh, kind of making connections and I moved to New York in January of 81 um, and it was funny because I went to the st- I went to Air Studios to say farewell uh, uh-huh. to Paul and Linda and, and while I was there I got a phone call from Tony Visconti oh, wow. asking me to play on an album with Mary Hopkins who he, he was married to it Time. Right, right. And I had to turn him down, which was much to my chagrin because a couple of years earlier, um, in December of 78, he had asked me to go to Switzerland over the holidays to work on an album with Rick Wakeman. Oh, wow. And Paul, I went to Paul and said, Do you mind if I do this? And he said, At first, he said yes. And then a day later, he said, No, I, I think, you know, we're a band. I don't really think you should be doing sessions right now. And so I had twice had to turn down Tony because I'd done other work with him at the studio. Right, right. Um, so that was uh, that was the day I left London and got settled in New York and working on uh, a project there and got involved in doing studio work there. I mean, but like you know, all of a sudden I'm playing on American Express and Coca-Cola commercials. Uh-huh. Um, I and and I, I'd been there. I got there at the end of January, April 28th, April 27th of 81 is the date that Wings officially folded. April 28th is the day that I met Hope at Catch a Rising Star, uh, uh, which is a comedy club. What a comedy I, club. I, 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 used to, I used to love Catch a Rising Star. What a great place that was. Oh, yeah. yeah Catch was. was great. Yep. And um, I, I would play there actually quite regularly uh, with Richard T. Bear, who's uh, an old friend of mine. Um, and he was, and we we were actually working on a project together that was being managed by Rick Newman, who owned the club. Right, right. right. So you know, 
we had kind of drink privileges there and stuff. And uh, I met Hope there, and it was love at first sight. And over the course of that summer, I ended up kind of moving to L.A. So by October of 81, I was firmly ensconced in L.A., but it took me longer at that point to get into studio work than uh-huh. I did uh, in New York. Um, but I had been writing, and Hope and I started writing together, and um, she um, she had an idea. She wanted to do a comedy rock and roll band called The Housewives, and, and uh, I was very happy to be musical director and co-composer for that, and that ended up during the course of the 80s we did a lot of club gigs mm-hmm. and by the early 90s they were on tv and it was, it was an interesting project we ended up um john Mayall's wife maggie was one of the singers yeah. and so john used to come and play play gigs with us at some of his comedy clubs but anyway that's a digression are, um are, are, so are, i got into studio work are we allowed to um uh, your wife was on tv not too long ago correct during that whole uh, well yeah yeah um, I don't know if you want to, okay. If you she, want to well, her dad, uh-huh. her dad was Sherwood Schwartz, yes. who created the Brady Bunch, which Hope was on. And yes, she and, played and, Greg's girlfriend yep. in, in a number of episodes, and Gilligan, including the one with the, the frog, frogs on her head. And, and Sherwood created Gilligan's Island. Yes, Gilligan's Island, yep. Um, yeah, so Hope came from this, you know, kind of American television sitcom background, and I'm coming from, you know, Beatle adjacent. Right. And so this weird nexus of pop culture. Um, so it was very natural to combine music and comedy, and we still do. Uh, uh-huh. But I'll get yep. to that in a bit. Um, so I uh, got into studio work um, in two different areas pretty much at the same time. One was um, through a TV composer named uh, Dan Folliot, Um started using me on sessions and he was doing a lot of stuff for Paramount Studios including shows like Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley and, and Joni Loves Chachi being uh-huh. one yep. um, and then I got a call from a record producer named Michael Lloyd who's old school Hollywood record producer um, and he was doing the songs for Joni Loves Chachi show that Mitch Weissman, who had been playing Paul on uh, in Beatlemania in New York, uh-huh. was playing Paul on this episode of Joni Loves Chachi. And so I ended up playing both on the score and on the songs. So it, it kind of opened up two parallel paths as a, a record studio right. musician, wow. but also as um, a, TV sco- you know, a TV scoring and movie score studio musician too so on the tv side i mean you know over the years played on um all kinds of stuff including roseanne um home improvement seventh heaven uh-huh. really i mean hundreds of tv shows right right um and on the um on the record side um especially with, with michael lloyd um well, at one point in i guess it must have been about 86 or 87 we were working on music for a, a low-budget movie and i showed up at michael's studio in beverly hills to to play on a record and and there was this guy patrick swayze yeah we um, know him in the studio and uh, yeah and um we we worked on this song uh, she's like the wind okay um 
which was for the movie Dirty Dancing. And um, let's play uh, let's yeah. play a bit of that. Here we go. Because I did all the guitar on this, the electric and acoustic. Okay, here. Just a fool of me. like the wind from dirty dancing and um yeah yeah the mike's heroes yeah i I also played on uh time of my life and the third single was actually a mary clayton song yes uh which was a very very cool um song it just wasn't a a big hit like the others but right around that period i mean i I worked on belinda carlisle's first album so i played on mad about you um uh, Eric Carmen, Make Me Lose Control. I did the guitars on that. Yep. Um, just a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, one of the, one very memorable session was with Jesse Colin Young, where we recut Get Together. Really? For a movie called 19, 1969. Yeah. Was, uh-huh. uh, look that one up. That was, that yeah, was I, cool I, I, yeah, I remember, um, that, I remember so, that movie. Yep. Yeah. So um, that, you know. That, there was just a lot of that stuff going on, and uh, then uh, uh, you also worked with Ringo in the nineties. You did Ringo. Oh, I worked with Ringo. That was way back, way earlier. That yeah. was in nineteen eighty. Yep, um, yep. That was during kind of the, the the slight wings hibernation, where Paul took me to the south of France and spent uh-huh. we spent ten days ten days working on the tracks that Paul produced for Stuff and Smell the Roses. Wow, and um, and, and obviously, and um, yeah, you have a fondness for the Beatles. I mean, you, you, well, yeah. you know the Beatles. Well, I also worked I mean, with George. Yeah. Worked with George in 1986 um, on uh, a song for the Shanghai Surprise soundtrack. Wow. Um, someplace else, it was called. Yeah. And I remember the date distinctly. It was, it was April 17th because my daughter Elsie was born at 7.17 that morning. Oh, wow. And I was in the studio in the early afternoon um, yeah, you know, and Hope was pissed because she was expecting to go to the studio <laughs> to meet George, and she went into la- went into labor instead. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, yeah, so but it wasn't Here Comes the Sun; it was Here Comes the Daughter. Yeah, yep, 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 and, the um, daughter. yeah. But uh, but George was very gracious, and a couple of days later, we took Ilse, um, our, our daughter, to and she's our younger one, took her to Village Recorders, and and Hope did get to meet George and. Yeah. Um, and Elsie got blessed by George, who gave her, he said something in Sanskrit and gave her the gift of music, he said. Oh, beautiful. And it, that took, because she's actually become a very successful songwriter, but we'll get well, to that in a bit. Sure. Um, but, but, you know, so there was those kind of sessions going on, but then in 1990, I put out my first solo acoustic record, which got me some airplay and, and started another kind of chapter. 
I'd been writing a lot of stuff during the 80s. And um, at the end of the 80s, Hope and I also, um, Sherwood asked us to compose the score for Gilligan's Island, the musical. And so that was also part of the agenda. And I was scoring TV shows at the same time, including um, I did the, the, Brady Bunch, the Brady Christmas uh, movie uh-huh. and a series called The Bradys that I think was like 1990. And I was also the band leader on a late night TV show in L.A. with our local weatherman, Fritz Coleman. Uh, who was a stand-up before he was a weatherman. Um, and so there was always a lot going on, and plus we had two young kids, too. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I had no real desire to be on the road with a band. Uh, I just had too many too many responsibilities and, sure. and generating kind of a future income stream by composing and, and doing all that. Um, but, you know, I found myself doing a lot more movie sessions in particular. And, and let's just play um, a little bit of... This is the main title from Goodwill Hunting. Okay. Um, I remember being, uh, being on a session with Danny Elfman and he had this figure that he wanted the acoustic guitar to play. And I said, well, you know, if I do it in this tuning, it can be really cool because I can sustain other notes. And, okay. and he was all up for that. So just play a bit, bit of this. Here we go. And then as the studio work started to diminish, because uh, a lot of stuff was getting done outside of L.A., right. uh, as that started to wind down, uh, my solo work started to um, really come into the fore. And so uh, I really you know, got into the habit of putting out regular albums. Um, uh, let's play a, a few things. Um, Let's play a bit of Maisie, which is the first tune that I wrote. And this is actually a Wings outtake. Uh, it was recorded in Scotland in, um, in July of 78. 
um, Denny's on harmonica, Paul on bass, and Steve Holly on drums. Okay, here Let's we go. play like 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a kind of a Chet Atkins almost, yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. a little bit of Raikuda. Uh -huh. um, and it's funny because uh, there was, I got a, a thing, oh, not, lo not long ago, um, where I got an email from NBC, which I thought was just spam at first, and then uh -huh. turned out that they wanted a license, a synchronization license from me, because I own the publishing on that. They wanted to use it on The Tonight Show. Actually, they'd used it the day before on The Tonight Show because Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones was oh. a guest. And I guess their music supervisor had, like, Googled Maisie and came up with my tune. Wow. And so I got to hear The Tonight Show band play that, which How, was great fun. How'd they do it? And I made, made, 500, made 500 bucks, too. There you so. go. <laughs> Good. Wow. There you go. There you go. Yeah, so, uh, but then, you know, my really, um, I... Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. All right, we're at home with Claire, who is warming up for a bit of boxer size. Yep, she's welcomed in the new year with a fancy new workout setup. Look at that branded punch bag with matching gloves. And that gorgeous coordinated athleisure. So coordinated. She is working out and working it. Well, with prices this good on designer workout gear, how couldn't she? Whoa! She's back on the sofa. With her feet in an excellently priced foot spa. Iconic. Get those toes to Marshall's. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices. At Marshall's started kind of like thinking about doing more than just solo stuff so let, let, this is a tune called mosaic from the album of the same name and it, this has kind of um, upright bass and very light drums and a little bit of electric guitar I'll just play you know a minute yeah, this, this is a great tune oh thanks That, that tune um, is actually one that gets regular airplay on Sirius. I think it's probably on the Spa channel. Uh -huh. but, um, 
you know, you put, you put stuff out there and you never know where it's going to end up. Um, now it's a lot easier to track because of you know, streaming yes. is very granular detail on how many plays you get and where and all of that. Um, not like the old days where you really couldn't track the stuff very much. Right. You, but you, um, So right around... Go ahead. Uh, you know, even this stupid little thing that I'm doing here, if I don't have... Um, the, uh, the the music tag properly they shut me down right away they just blank out the um you know they, they just blank the signal out so you can't play it everything has to be tagged so they can keep track of who's playing what that's right yeah 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 you bet it's all in the metadata yep metadata um but uh so right around that same time um i started working with al stewart because uh, Peter White had moved into his solo career and I got right. introduced to Al. And um, he and I did a, a, a little tour in Colorado that went quite well. I mean, I had to kind of like do a deep dive into his repertoire because I really didn't know very much. Even though I'd been a fan of his, I actually opened for him when I was 14 at, yeah. in London. Plus there's um, a, a, a local folk club. Yeah, there's an Alan Parsons uh, connection there too, right? Didn't Alan... Well, I mean, Alan Parsons produced Al, uh, yeah, you know, and I am yeah. producing Al. So we're in a small club of yeah. Al Stewart. And it's funny, I, um, I, but I spoke to Peter yesterday. Peter White. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, just, you know. We have the same dentist. Do you? Cool. <laughs> so we not only have Al in common, we also have our dentist in common. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, Al, after this tour, Al came over and he said, I've got this song. And we sat down with a couple of acoustic guitars, and I just rolled tape. And what we ended up with um, is um, this song, Night Train to Munich, which has this very kind of like late 20s, 30s kind of feel. And, and he had this idea of doing an album called Between the Wars. And so that kind of fit into a nice acoustic kind of vibe. Yeah. And... Um, with this one, um, the I don't know if we'll get as far as the solo, but um, the solo that I played was actually, you know, the the first take, kind of when we actually just got it down. It was kind of a done live, and I could never improve on it, so we just left Al's guitar and my guitar exactly kind of what we put down as the demo. Yeah. It ended up being you know on the album. Can so I ask anyway? You, uh, Night Train to me before yeah, I play this. Is Al, um, you know, Al Stewart? I, I've been a fan of his for you know many many years. He, his history knowledge is, is is incredible. I mean, you know, oh yeah, incredible. I mean, it's he gets so deep into his writing about you know these various um, topics. You know, I mean Warren Harding, oh. Warren Harding. I mean, who knows anything about Warren? Oh, Harding? I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, he, yeah. I mean, he he came in. You know, he would come in with with these historical song ideas and I had to you know I had to be on my toes as a producer yeah um, when um, he came in with a song on this uh, Between the Wars album he had a song uh, when Sergei Kirov gets here we will dance yeah yeah and then but then it ended up being when Joe the Georgian gets here we will dance because I pointed out to Albert Sergei Kirov was amongst the first group of people that, that Stalin knocked off. Uh -huh. So the, the the sequence wasn't right, and it actually kind of you know helped the lyric 
yeah. into something more um, more apropos. I, I, uh, but it was like things like that. Without you wouldn't expect to have to be something of a history buff in yeah, order to uh, the, the, understand. The, you know. In fact, I posted on my Facebook page the other day. We did on the Sparks of Ancient Light album. We did a song. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Like William, like William McKinley. Right. And. You know, it just the fact that William McKinley did a front porch campaign and just you know what Joe Biden's doing is yes. is that essentially you know like 120 years later. Um, so interesting stuff. But play play a bit of Night Train to Munich. Yeah. It's a cool track. Underneath the clock Carry an umbrella No need to talk The man and the humbug Hiding in the fog Will be watching Get yourself a ticket Go through the gate At 7.45 precisely Don't be late If anybody follows Don't hesitate Keep on walking And take the night train to Munich Rumbling down the track After half an hour In the restaurant car Look for the conductor And there will be a stain a paper underneath the sun Then you gotta pray that it doesn't look away Or you'll never, never, never come back Inside on page 27, there's a photo of a bride underneath the story of a man who died in Morocco. Yeah, so, um, you know, I just kept putting out records. And then Hope um, said to me, you know, I had a few Beatle arrangements in my repertoire, and Hope said, you know, it, it, I really would like you to do an album of Beatles. And, and I said, I don't really want to do that because I'm primarily, I'm a composer. Right kind of really my direction with all of this um, but I said you know I, I'll, I'll do one for you, uh, you but you have to produce it so she did and LJ Plays the Beatles came out and I think it was 2000 um, and uh, it, it was very well received and, and kind of placed in some uh, some I think a top 10 um, acoustic guitar magazine uh, yeah. type thing and then you know and that really became um, a um, kind of a path of, of doing not just Beatle arrangements but other arrangements too of other different uh -huh. tunes but let's play a bit of Strawberry Fields from LJ Plays the Beatles here we go
That's incredible. And Lawrence, what the what I find ama- what I find amazing is the um, you know I, I'm a big Beatle fan too, and you you've you've taken the entire finale of that tune and did it on an acoustic guitar, you know, and um, you know that was done with the tape loops and and with back you know tracks being played backwards <laughs> and everything else at the time, and you sat there on an, on an acoustic guitar and pulled it off. Incredible. Uh, I think it's amazing. Well, I, I think it's it's figuring out what's essential. Yeah. You know, and then just focusing on that. Um, but yeah, so, you know, and that, I mean, that one album has turned into now four albums. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, you know, but I've done, I mean, I've so many arrangements. I did an album of Harold Arlen tunes. Right. I did, um, uh, the album before this one, Downtown, um, I did in one five-hour session at Capitol Studios with, wow. with Al Schmidt Engineering, uh, Al being you know, the godfather of recording engineering. Yeah. Um, I just had all the tunes ready, and I just went in and, and said, I, you know, I've got the best engineer. Let's, you know, let's put the tunes down. I have. And, um, you know, Al, Al had worked with, oh, I mean, his history is just amazing. Um, you know, uh, Jackie Wilson and um, Dwayne Eddy and right. Jefferson Airplane and you know Paul McCartney and all you know Dinah Kroll. I mean, like really right across the board. But but you know, in terms of those kind of like, if you want to do a big band session, he's the guy you'd want to get. And but I have now he's like 90 years old. So I have. I think the McCartney Kisses on the Bottom album. Yes. I, I have I can't give you anything but love, baby. Chew it up. I don't. Yeah, let's let's play. I just play the tune. Um, okay. This is actually um, this was written by Jimmy McHugh and Dorothy Fields in 1928. Uh, it's just it's a lot of fun to play stuff like that. And here we go. Okay. I can't give you anything but yeah, love, you can, baby. You can hear. I, 
yeah, I, I, I love to improvise. Yeah. So being able to take a, a standard tune and just be able to spin out solos. Of course, it's challenging, you know, without having a bass player. So had a little, I think it had a little uh, a Django feel in that. Am I right? Or Yeah, a little Django. Well, that's that time period. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Django, but also, I mean, it's great guitar players from even before Django. Eddie Lang, uh-huh. um, Lonnie Johnson, you know, just um, the late 20s players. I mean, uh, right. Django was really uh, kind of early 30s. It's amazing just how, you know, from one year to the next, how things were evolving so quickly right. at that time. And so uh, in any case, um, you know, uh, here I am uh, no, no longer able to tour because of COVID. Right. Um, and um, doing my Facebook Live sessions, you know, m- mostly three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh-huh. Um, 1.30 Pacific time um, and uh, finishing up revisions to the score with hope of a very Brady musical uh, that we're expecting to get a production of next year oh, wow. assuming that theatres open up in a timely fashion uh, and that's been a fun project we started that all oh, about 12 years ago and then had to put it on the shelf for a while uh, but we've brought it back last year and it's now got a lot of momentum behind um, and then you know our, our youngest daughter Elsie that I mentioned earlier uh, she's um, she's done, been doing very well as a songwriter and she co-wrote uh, Panic at the Disco's High Hopes, Mercy for Sean Mendes, oh, wow. Nothing Breaks Like a Heart for Miley Cyrus in fact she was on Saturday Night Live with Miley when they had Sean Lennon join them for Merry Christmas. Wow, incredible. Uh, over. Wow. Yeah, so Elsie's uh, singing on that and playing, uh, playing sleigh bells, I think she was. And they, they got to, she got to record that uh, with him and with Miley at, at uh-huh. Mark Robson at Electric Lady Studios. And, wow. You know, really exciting stuff for her. But, it really um, is. She's, uh, if you go to, you know, go to Wikipedia, look up Elsie Juber, it's a very long list. Uh-huh. Some very cool music. I mean, not just the, uh, the top forty stuff, but uh, some indie stuff too. You know, she's she co-wrote two songs with Linkin Park, uh, and actually performed with them at the Hollywood Bowl for the um, Chester Bennington uh, Memorial concert. How great uh, is that? That well. they did a couple of years ago, and and she fronted Linkin Park. I mean. It was, pretty amazing and then she's not only sang but then she strapped on a guitar and played all along the lead on all along the watchtower so really how old, you, how, how old is she now yeah she's oh she's like know, 33 34 oh, okay so. she, you know she paid her dues yeah been, started took young. her a long time to break in yeah I and mean, she started writing songs when she was 14 uh-huh. but, um, and she got mentored by some very good people and, and now she's um is very very much in demand as a did, songwriter. Did you teach her guitar? And, and our elder daughter, uh, only a little bit. Uh-huh. She she figured a lot of that out. She started off as a drummer. Oh, wow. I was so happy when she picked up guitar because I didn't have to set up drums anymore. Yeah, yeah. Let's so, and let's let's still play still play drums. Yeah, let's Tylenol with the guitar. <laughs> Right, let's let's hit it. Well, you know, I have a studio, so we yeah, have the drums set up yeah, out in the yeah. studio, so she could 
she could be a wife. Cool. But um, and our eldest daughter Nico has written a musical that she did a um, did a, a reading of a couple of weeks ago, and and of course the reading now is is, is all on Zoom. Right. You know, it would have been in a theater or a rehearsal studio in New York, but but instead it's a, you know it's Zoom. And I oh. think we're probably going to be doing the same thing with the Brady musical in a couple yeah, of months. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, there's all that going on. And, and meanwhile, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm actually just about to start recording another album. I've got a whole bunch of arrangements, including MacArthur Park. Oh, wow. That was kind of a fun, a fun one to do. I, I did the arrangement for a, a Wrecking Crew concert that I played at. Uh-huh. And um, it turned out turned out well, so I want to record that. And... Um, but Jimmy, been playing around until. But Jimmy you know, Webb album would be great. He's, he's he was such a he's such a great writer. Now who's that? Jimmy Webb. Oh Jimmy Webb, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean an album of Jimmy Webb songs would be great. I, yeah. I I'm not sure I'd go that far. Uh-huh. Um, I'm also working on an arrangement of Wichita Lineman. Oh, so, okay. Um, and you know, I put you know I put those on an album next to Gershwin songs. Right. Um, you know, the, it's all quality writing. Yes. Um, but in any case, uh, you know, another thing I've been doing, uh, was doing until we shut down, was uh, playing around local clubs in L.A. with a 10-piece band um, fronted by my old friend Richard T. Bear that I used to hang out at Catch Your Rising Star yeah, in wow. New York uh, with the horn section from the Conan show um, and Denny Sywell on drums. and uh, oh. Just uh, an amazing fun band and it, it yeah. got me playing really getting back in getting back into playing electric guitar again wow. that horn, and, and I've been doing that horn, that? that horn section didn't they do that um, mm-hmm. Tom Waits album with Southside Johnny uh, oh probably so yeah because yeah. uh, um, uh, uh, Richard Rosenberg the trombone player played with Southside yeah, yeah I think it was uh, called Joe Sublet the yeah, I think it was called Grapefruit. Yeah. Uh, I think it was... Uh, um, uh-huh. Yeah, I think they did with Southside, um, Johnny. Joe Sublet, the sax player, was uh, played with Double Trouble. And oh. The Stones. And, you know, it's just really... Um, you know, they, these are the guys. And, uh-huh. and it's, uh-huh. it's a killer band. And we, you know, we'll pack these little clubs around L.A., but unfortunately we can't do it yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been doing a, I've been doing a little bit of session work on electric guitar. Uh, there's a, a really great studio just literally a minute from my house, so cool. I'll get called in to play on something. You know, nine thirty nice. tomorrow morning I'll be there. Oh really? Um, so you know, plenty of plenty of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing's going to stop me doing studio work because it's some you know I enjoy it and right. it's a skill set that I've honed over you know, the courses, I guess. And yeah, and pretty much 50 years. And you're the master. I mean, you're the master of it. It's incredible. Well, do you know who you? Who, I, I, I I can I I get by. Well, yeah, well, I fake it's okay. it good. Yeah, you fake it good. Um, who who do you know who you're working with tomorrow? Um, I I I don't. Okay. An artist that's doing. Uh, I I, I I'm not even really clued in on what the project is. I just show up and uh-huh. lay down a bunch of guitar tracks, and I'll get a better, a clearer idea once there's an album done right you know very often you, you kind of walk in and you don't necessarily get the full impact of what you're doing like I mentioned earlier until, uh-huh. until it's done cool. anyway um, so we should probably wrap it up but I thought that maybe we could finish with a day in the life 
love to. Um, from my latest album, The Fab Four. Okay. So um, if you'd like to say goodnight, I'll play this, and you could go rest up and get ready for your session tomorrow. And um, I, That's right. Did, oh, you, you told me you told us about your Martin guitar. Oh, yeah, real quick. Um, so, you know, I because of what I do, I was kind of pushing guitar makers to you know, give customized instruments for me. And I started off uh, in the 90s, I was playing Taylor, but when they were only making 10 guitars a day, I mean, they were a uh -huh. small company at the right. time. Um, but they made a, a, a guitar that was a good fingerstyle guitar with a cutaway, which I needed. And then I graduated to playing Collings out of Austin, Texas. And Bill Collings was a wonderful uh, guy who made great guitars. Uh, but they, their guitars were based on Martin's. And so I called up my friend Dick Boke at Martin and I said, you know, I want this. I want an orchestra model guitar with mahogany and an Adirondack spruce top and a cutaway and we gave them the dimensions. And it turned out so good that they said, can we do a signature model? So. That started a whole series of signature models with different woods, wow. and um, that pretty much acoustically. I don't play them exclusively, but I 95 percent of the time I play right, right. one of my Martins. Well, yeah. Well, so, um, yeah. Okay, and go. that's what you'll hear on uh, a day in the life. Is uh, I forget which one I used. I think probably the Guatemalan rosewood with a moon spruce top. Well, well, I'd like to thank you for uh, spending the night with us tonight. And um, yeah. you're very welcome. I'm, I'm going to. I have your phone number, and so now I'm going to harass you about doing this again. <laughs> no, uh -oh. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. uh, but but to everybody out there, uh, stay safe. Yeah, you stay too. Stay well. You too. And uh, stay hydrated. Yeah, and. Um, All I'll, right then. Well, I'll, I'll speak to you during the week, and I want to thank you again. Okay. Oh, you're very welcome. Well, Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, don't be silly. All right, cheers. Bye-bye, LJ. Thank you. Okay. And this one's a day in the life. Lawrence Juba from his uh, latest album. And uh, I'll be back in about three minutes and 40 seconds.
one and only Lawrence Juber, and um, I'd like to thank him for spending the night with us tonight and um, you know having a little conversation and letting us play his music and telling us how you know how it evolved and I'm just so uh, um, happy and um, honored that he, 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 he okayed the night tonight and I have to thank Randall um, I have to thank my buddy Randall Berry for um, setting this up he's the man who introduced me to LJ and um, Randy um, you know props thank you I appreciate this and um, I owe you one and what I like to do is, since we've been doing a lot of acoustic stuff tonight, is keep on that acoustic kick. And uh, this is one of my, uh, another one of my favorite acoustic players. It's Richard Thompson, and um, this is a tune that he did. And um, uh, it's it's 1952 Vincent Black Lightning. I hope you enjoy it. He's another great acoustic player, uh, entirely different than a Lawrence, and um, you know, a whole different um, genre. But here we go. <laughs> serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Says a red mullet to James That's a fine motorbike No girl can feel special in any such life Says James Red Molly, my hat's off to you. It's Vincent Black Lightning, 1952. But I've seen you at the corners and cafes, it seems. Red hair and black leather, my favorite color scheme. And he pulled around behind and down to Box Hill. They'd Vincent to ride. 
Taking young James Eighty from robbery Shotgun blast hit his chest Left nothing inside Come down Red Molly to his dying bedside When she came to the hospital There wasn't much left He was running out of road He was running out of breath But he smiled to see her cry he said, I'll give you my Vincent to Oh, 
Cause they make a fool of you and it's alright 
is a nickel Dime is a dime I need a new gown Lost, you won't mind Tell me how long Do I have to wait Can I get you now Said must I hesitate On a dollar says, and God we trust. You say you want a man, you want to see that dollar first. Tell me how long do I have to wait? Can I get you now? Long must I hesitate? breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired their personal trainer as a caterer. All right, folks, let's keep this line moving. You there with the tongs. Picking up one Duchess potato at a time will not cut it at my catering table. Drop and give me 50. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Okay, this is what we call the wild mushroom and asparagus dip, dip, and press. Come on, let's get those plates above your heads. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today.
the hesitation stockings, got the hesitation shoes, said, Lord knows I've got them hesitation blues, tell me how long do I have to wait? Can I get you now, must I hesitate? Will I say, can I get you now, Lord, must I hesitate? Queen from a movie scene I said don't mind but what do you mean I am the one Who'll dance on the floor in the round She said I am the one Who'll dance on the floor in the round She told me her name was Billie Jean And she caused a scene Every her turned with eyes that dreamed of being the one Who'll dance on the floor in the round Ooh, ooh, ooh People always told me, be careful what you do Don't go around breaking young girls' hearts Ooh, and mother always told me, be careful who you love Be careful what you do, cause the lie becomes the truth, yeah Billie Jean is not my lover She's just a girl who says that I am the one Who may dance on the floor in the round Says I am the one But the kid is not my son For 40 days and 40 nights the Lord was on her side but who can stand when she's in demand Her schemes and plans Cause we danced on the floor in the round So take my strong advice Just remember to always think twice <laughs> So people always told me Be careful of what you do Don't go around breaking young girls' hearts Came and stood right by me The smell of sweet perfume This happened much too soon And she called me to a room, yeah Billie Jean is not my lover She's just a girl who claims that I am the one But the kid is not my son Billie Jean is not my lover She's just a girl who claims that I am the one But the kid is not my son Yet Billie Jean is not my lover Stand up for your rights Get up, stand up Don't give up the fight 
You preach a man, don't tell me heaven is under the air. You are a ghost and you don't know what life is really worth. It's not all that glitter is gold. And have the story you never told. But now we see the light. We gonna stand up for us. Come on, get up, stand up. Everybody, stand up for your rights now. Get up, stand up, and don't give up with the fight. Most people think a great God will come from the sky. Take away everything and left everybody dry but if you know what life is worth you would look for yours right here on earth and when you see the light you'll have to stand up for your right get up stand up stand up for your right get up stand up Don't give up the fight. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your eyes. Get up, stand up. Don't give up the fight. Cause we're sick and tired of this bullshit game. Die and go to heaven in Jesus' name. I know and overstand. Our father is a living man. You fool some people sometimes, but you can't fool all the people all the time. And now we see the light. We are gonna stand up for right. Come on, get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. Don't give up, don't give up, don't give up.
Okay, guys, that's the end of the show tonight. Hope you had a good time. I'd like to thank Lawrence Juba for showing up tonight and um, filling us in on some of his music. Um, I'm going to take the next couple of days and uh, get caught up on uh, the podcasts. I'll be doing one tomorrow and um, another one on Tuesday. I'll be back Wednesday morning. I have a show coming in from the UK with Dave Robinson, the man who gave us Stiff Records, the um, president and um, CEO and founder of Stiff Records. That's going to be Wednesday. Um, Thursday, I'm going to be speaking to um, Harvey Brooks in Israel. Harvey, of course, from Electric Flag, but that's going to be on a podcast, too. Um, I'll be back Friday night with Art Barrow from um, Frank Zappa's band, and then uh, the 16th Ray White from um, Frank Zappa's band. And then we have a whole list of craziness going on on podcasts. And then I'm back with some more Frank Zappa's guys. And um, Peter White's going to be on coming up soon. And Peter Sears. 
and some really really cool 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 people Arno Hecht will be back um, and uh, who else who else who else I don't know some neat people anyway uh, I just want to say good night stay safe out there and um, do what you got to do serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Fly on the Wall. There are more great interviews to follow so please list us as one of your favorites and be sure to follow. We are listener funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all.